everyone. Welcome to another episode of Sophia's Choice, a Golden Girls podcast. My name is Alan, and yes. joined again by my friends Brent, yes, and Ski, yo yo, and uh, top billing. Today <laughs> we are planning to go over top episode billing. six on Golden Girls, uh, sixth episode in season one. And uh, for the recap, I'm going to go ahead and turn it on over to Ski. All righty. Uh, this one was directed by Jim Drake. Producers Kathy Spear, Terry Grossman, and co-produced by Marsha Posner-Williams. Uh, created by Suzanne Harris, of course. Written by Liz Sage, with a special appearance by grandson uh, Billy Jane. Mm. Uh, anyway, the uh, episode opens in the kitchen. Rose this is anarchy. I don't know if I can support this. Anarchy? Oh, out, of, out of order? <laughs> yes. Should I tell them where I got my special no, script no. from this time? No, no. You just, no? just yeah. go with it. Okay, yeah, we'll talk about it later, maybe. <laughs> are we open in the kitchen? Uh, Rose and Dorothy are seated. Uh, Rose is preparing her coffee with, while Dorothy is uh, studying for a French exam that she's got to take in two weeks. Uh, Sophia is making breakfast. Uh, Blanche enters upset because she doesn't know what she's going to do. We find out why later. Uh, Dorothy says, well, you mean about your cellulite? <laughs> and she's, she insists, of course, that she doesn't have any cellulite. Yeah, I definitely really enjoyed the uh, the exchange between her and Sophia in that part where, you know, she says that they're dimples, and Sophia says some of the effect of dimples are on these cheeks. Um, yeah, that's actually my favorite line of the movie, oh. the episode. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a solid line. I think mine too. Uh -oh. That wasn't my favorite of the of the episode, but we'll get to that as we move through. Anyway, so uh, yeah, then they had that back and forth. Uh, Blanche tells the others that her uh, daughter is having marital problems and her and her husband are going to Hawaii for a second honeymoon to kind of hash things out. That is an expensive way to try it to hash very out. Much so, yeah. What if things don't work out? Yeah, I don't know. The only only other option would probably be to have a second kid. Everybody <laughs> gets nothing. Right. <laughs> well, it's just, I don't Split know. your debt. We'll come back to that later, I guess. So, like, it, it's expensive. Like, just, just sort of spur the moment two weeks in Hawaii. Whatever. Right. Um, and it gets more expensive, but it also just, so, you know, spoiler alert, you know, this grandson that, you know, Ski's going to mention is 14, okay, which means he would have been born when, you know, Blanche was 38, which means if you sort of split the difference and assume her and her daughter were both 19 when they had <laughs> their right. kids, it's no wonder they're having troubles if she <laughs> yeah. got married at 19. Yeah, well, and, and you'd have to assume, you know, going further back, you know, Blanche, as we'll probably talk about later, talks about how permissive her mom was. So I'm assuming mm -hmm. that she uh, maybe comes from a long line of very young mothers. Yeah, <laughs> exactly so. Yeah. In the South, though, that's not all that unusual. Well, I mean, in that time frame, it's not all that unusual. I don't think it necessarily matters. Maybe by the time the daughter <laughs> was having her kid, that was becoming more unusual. But honestly... 19 mm -hmm. would not have been a an, yeah. an odd age to have a kid regardless of even right. if you were you know one of those fancy northerners yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well anyway as uh mentions that uh while they're in hawaii they're gonna leave their 14 year old uh, grandson uh with blanche blanche is just unreasonably upset about having to spend time with her grandson oh yeah i know she says something like why does these things always happen to me i mean it makes it sound like it's the most horrible uh, of situations it's the way my grandma always was yeah well I, you know i'm sure that uh, her passing brought about a lot of relief since she no longer had to see her grandchildren anymore uh, restful sleep right yes exactly 
It just, I mean, we got then Sophia's like family does for family, but she's like directing that towards Dorothy and not towards Blanche. Yeah. <laughs> well, Dorothy was the one who, you know, initially gets uh, kind of shitty about it because of her, her French class that she's yeah. taken. Well, I think Dorothy has a right to be upset. Because, like, you know, David's going to be living there for two weeks, but he's not paying rent. But yet Dorothy's paying the same amount, but she has to bunk up with her mom. I don't know. I think for two weeks, I, I could understand. You think it's okay for a landlord to say, okay, you two double up. I'm going to use your room for my grandson. Well, I think if it's a traditional landlord, not so much. <laughs> but I think if it's your landlord is your friend, like, if you were living with me and we were paying relatively equal shares, mm-hmm. and I was like, hey, here's this odd situation. <laughs> yeah. um, I need you to bunk up with, you know, your dad. That's well, true. <laughs> if we look at it that way, Sophia probably wasn't part of the normal pay schedule either initially. Yeah, well, I mean, I assume that once uh, they kicked Coco to the curb yeah. and put Sophia uh, in. Room, yeah. yeah, I mean, if she has her own room, I'd have to think that. Mm-hmm. Now, I guess Coco, though, you would assume was getting paid to stay there, mm-hmm. um, whereas Sophia would be paying to stay there. So that, <laughs> that should have really kind of evened out the, um, or lowered at least the, yeah. the Overall, cost for yeah. the rest. Yeah, but at the very least, you know, he's using electricity and water and stuff like that. And so Dorothy's now paying subsidizing that uh, i mean that's true but I, I still i don't know i i still think it's a, i would i would side with sophia on this one mm-hmm. i guess what i'd say is that I, I would still say yeah even if it's inconvenient for uh-huh. two weeks it, yeah, it's family yeah. so. i agree with that i'm just saying that i don't know well moreover <laughs> i think she may have been telling dorothy you know we are all our family so family does for family like we'll put up with it because mm. blanche is part of our gotcha. kind of little family oh, okay fair enough okay our golden girls family <laughs> but anyway so a 14 year old boy is going to stay with them uh, rose seems excited about this but as you mentioned dorothy's kind of troubled since she needs to study for her uh, exam yeah i don't know what kind of asshole adult is just taking um classes for their enrichment um, at an advanced age. I just can't imagine the person that would bother to spend the time and money on uh, such frivolous uh, pursuits. I assume she wanted to be a substitute French teacher as well. Uh, yeah, maybe so. some sort of accreditation. Yeah, in case, uh, in case you couldn't tell from my sarcasm, Ski is currently uh, taking a class uh, for his personal betterment. Uh, here's a little fun fact. Um, I believe I'm the only person in the history of my, you know, high school to a failed French 1 and French 2 consecutively. Wow, how did you manage to go on to French 2 after failing <laughs> French 1? Um, me and um, you know, my French teacher, um, we got along really well. Really a- well. And that's beside the point. But anyway, she asked me after, you know, telling me that, you know, hey, unfortunately, you know, I have to fail you in French 1. And I was like, that's perfectly reasonable considering how I did. She's like, are you going to be able to retake it next year? And I explained I couldn't fit it into my schedule. And she was like, well, how about French 2? And I was like, actually, yeah, that, that works out that I could. And so she said, well, if you promise me to get a tutor, I'll go ahead and sign a waiver so you can take French 2. And then, long story short, me and my tutor broke up, uh-huh. and I, I failed French 2, and I was not invited back for French 3. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe that our high school, well, Ski went to a different high school than I did, and as did you, but I went to a relatively small um, Catholic high school, and I'm pretty <laughs> sure French 3 was not even an option. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> so, yeah, we had all the way up to French 4. No, yeah, I think Spanish was the only mm-hmm. only language other than, of course, English that mm-hmm. went past uh, went past 2. Yep, we had French 4 or... Francais cat. 
<laughs> so yeah, so Dorothy, she's taking her worthless class and she's upset about <laughs> the fact that uh, you know she's not going to have enough time to study because of uh, their new border. Well, then they discuss, well, what are we going to do with this 14-year-old kid for two weeks? They bring up a few ideas like, you know, I think going to see Disney or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rambo, which was out of the time. I think we discussed it was Rambo 2. Mm-hmm. First Blood, part two. Was that what it was? I couldn't remember. Yeah. Uh, Sophia says she has seen that movie twice. and <laughs> says that uh, ran, uh, he was super sweaty and he has his shirt off the whole time. He now, sweats like a pig. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't sound very appealing when you say, when you uh-huh. phrase it that way. Yeah. But I did think it was interesting that I think it was Yuski that realized it was Rambo 2 because he had his shirt on a lot more in Rambo 1. Yeah, he wore a, a, a uh, rucksack on his mm-hmm. chest, basically. Oh, okay. I just thought it That's, was interesting. It was distinctive. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, um, First Blood, it was in the Pacific Northwest. Mm. So, you know, it's chilly up there. Mm, okay. But First Blood Part 2, he was in Vietnam. But do you think part of it is just the fact that, you know, like... You know, Sylvester Stallone's Italian, and so Sophia's got a thing for that. I certainly could be part of it. I mean, they, you know, the women are definitely still very uh, vivacious or whatever. Um, So, you know, they make comments about, uh, you know, different handsome leading men all the time. (laughs) Um, And and Sylvester Stallone was certainly at the top of his game at, at that time. So, but yeah, the Italian, I'm sure, would have definitely been, a, you know, a, a bonus yeah. for him. So, to sort of break the fourth wall for a moment, do you think that, like, when Estelle Getty and Sylvester Stallone were making Stop or My Mom Will Shoot? Oh, yeah, there He'll you be go. like, hey, I heard you <laughs> like me sweaty. <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't know. I, even though Sylvester Stallone, you know, won an Academy Award <laughs> and, uh, you know, has had a really great career, uh-huh. I don't know that I, I've ever gotten the impression that he would be that you know, quick-witted as to pull off a reference from, uh, Uh you know, I mean, obviously he has, you know, probably more ability than I'm giving him credit for. Mm -hmm. um, But, but no, no, I don't really think that he would. You know, he wrote Rocky. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I know. I I know, but it's still, (laughs) like I've seen him in a lot of interviews. There's never been a time where I'm like, that's Sylvester Stallone. He is a really, Academic. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But maybe it's the the you know thick Italian accent uh, or you know affect to not accent but you know the yeah yeah exactly all that marble the, mouth kind yeah of maybe style. maybe that colors my view of him too too strongly <laughs> so anyways so uh, so yeah so they're discussing their possible options for for David yeah and that's actually kind of where the uh, scene ends uh, Sophia then comes in from the hall complaining about the sleeping arrangements. Um, they uh, discuss about how Dorothy snores, and Dorothy's like, I don't snore. And then uh, they go into a back and forth about uh, how loudly she snores and how disgusting the sounds are. Right. I think Ernest Borgnine was yes. the uh, the reference <laughs> there for uh, her sounds to be even more disgusting <laughs> than the sounds that could come from him. Was it Ernest Borgnine? Like, wasn't his, like, Simpsons cameo, like, really odd? Were you, like, jumps on a helicopter or something like that or yeah something along those lines i mean it was he wasn't like a guest star for the episode i think yeah. it was like a real uh, relatively brief um mm-hmm. appearance in that mm-hmm. but it was something like the kids were super excited or something like <laughs> right he stopped at camp crusty or something or yeah yeah well it, it always reminds me one of my favorite commercials of all time 
is uh, I think it's an orange juice commercial. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> Robert Loja. Yeah, Robert Loja. <laughs> he's like, Robert Loja? I'm like, no <laughs> fucking kid knows who Robert yeah. Loja is. Yeah. And even in what, it probably was like 89 or something uh-huh. when that commercial was around. Exactly. Um, yeah, I've always loved that commercial. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a good one. Yeah, yeah, I remember that one. Uh, anyway, so then uh, Rose comes in talking about how she made a, uh, a special treat for uh, David. And uh, then goes on to talk about how it was like pretty much a, a giant feast. Three three layer bacon, lettuce, and tomato. I believe yeah, triple said. decker, yeah. Uh, potato salad and a cake. Right. And I, I can only assume that uh, if we extrapolate that her son must be Augustus Gloop. Because you know? <laughs> <laughs> that is a hearty snack. I mean, unless his, her son's like an offensive lineman in the NFL yeah. or uh, yeah. something of that nature. I mean, that's... <laughs> That, that that would be one and I think she even calls it a, a little after school snack yeah. yes uh, Dorothy it, even makes a comment like where is he going the electric chair <laughs> right yeah like for his last meal yeah but like basically like a triple decker BLT doesn't that just become a club sandwich yeah I think so well <laughs> now if it's triple decker would that mean there'd be three layers of bacon or would it just be three pieces of bread I was thinking three pieces of bread because wouldn't that be a double decker so I think if you're going to triple decker, you have to add a whole nother layer. I think there has to be three decks of bacon. Because would you yeah. consider a Big Mac to be a double decker sandwich that's or a triple I'm, decker that's sandwich? What I'm debating right now. I mean, I guess yeah, triple decker would need. Uh, yeah, I guess it would be four pieces of bread with you know three slices of bacon in between. For those at home, I held up three fingers on those yeah. sides. <laughs> it, it plays well for the podcast. It does. <laughs> Now, of course, then an upper decker is <laughs> is the only way that I like to use the toilet. For anybody who's not sure, the upper decker is when you use the back of the tank uh, for your number twos, as opposed to the traditional. Um, mm-hmm. It sticks bowl. with you. It, it's it's the gift that keeps on giving. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely something that's good to drop off at a friend's house who's a friend, but that you don't like that well. Mm-hmm. Um, something along those lines. Or maybe if you don't like their wife. Yeah. Yeah. That would definitely be an <laughs> option. <laughs> Yeah, so so we've gotten we know what snack is going to be awaiting David when he arrives. Yeah, Uh, and then uh, Blanche enters uh, without David. She's very upset, and she's talking about how he wasn't on the uh, the plane, or he was on the plane rather. But she uh, tried to get a hold of him. She even uh, contacted the uh, uh, airliner and the the police. Yeah, it, it, it definitely goes to show, I don't know, such a big difference with cell phones mm-hmm. today versus, you know, before. I mean, obviously, in the past, you just would have called the kid's cell phone to find out where <laughs> yeah. he was at. and uh, it was, Or even tracked him Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if his location is on. People could be dead for a long time back then before you even knew if they were missing. <laughs> so Speaking of, rest in peace, Coco. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, it was grisly. Did you hear about that? No, I did not. Oh, well, they, they recently, so Coco died, what, about couple months ago? Yeah, it was like just before we started uh, recording episode one. So was that six months back? We did definitely have a discussion <laughs> about that. What did you say? <laughs> he died just shortly before we recorded episode one about six months ago. Right. So, <laughs> so yeah, it, they, they released the um, a lot of information about his condition. And mm-hmm. apparently he died 
in the wilderness wedged in a tree eaten by turkey vultures yeah what <laughs> yeah as as so many of us uh <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. go that is grizzly you're right yeah and there's i think there's reports that he may have been naked i don't know uh-huh. if that was confirmed by the police department yeah. or not maybe i don't know if there's a turkey vulture who well dressed in a <laughs> right <laughs> floral print shirt <laughs> I think we all Purple know he was in a kimono fans, out there. Right. <laughs> so, well, it did surprise me because when I read that, you know, I didn't know anything really about that actor, but it talked about his son. I think it reported him missing. Yeah. And it, I think I mentioned this to you. You know, he played a character that, you know, I think it. we certainly were given the impression, while not explicitly, but at yeah. least implicitly, that he was a, a gay character. And mm-hmm. I don't know, by today's uh, more woke uh, society, mm-hmm. I don't know that it would have flown for a, a straight man to be playing a gay character mm-hmm. on a TV series. Yeah, I'm sure he would have definitely got flack for it at least. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. So cultural pro- appropriation or whatever. I don't know. If, I don't know if, if gay is a cultural appropriation thing. I'm not sure if that qualifies. I'm sure, you could say that though. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> perhaps. But uh, what do you think? Like the best performance of a gay man by a straight man is. You know, I don't know that I would be able to catalog them. <laughs> Off the top of my head, maybe um, Sean Penn and Milk. Um, really? Something, I mean, okay. I know it was a good movie. I yeah. enjoyed the movie, so that would be the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Um, do you have someone off the top of your head? Um, I'll wait in after Ski does. Okay. Do you, do you have anybody that... Nothing's coming to mind, honestly. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I think you're just probably... I've not seen Milk, but I think that's probably... a a good thing. The only other two I could really think of off the top of my head were just like opposite ends of the scale. It was like, you know, Tom Hanks in Philadelphia. Oh, that oh. was really good, yeah. Yeah, that would probably... Um, and then Robin Williams in Birdcage. <laughs> and I think yeah. depending upon like which side of that scale you went to probably says quite a bit about somebody's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it was Birdcage would be definitely troublesome um, <laughs> in today's uh, day and age. Yeah. <laughs> I never saw but, Birdcage or uh, uh, Milk. Oh, but you've seen Philadelphia, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, what, I, I, I would probably have to to change my vote to Philadelphia. I mean, mm-hmm. Milk was a good movie, but Philadelphia is a, a classic. So I was in um, San Francisco when they were filming Milk. Oh, really? Uh, for a work thing, and um, this gay gentleman that I worked with uh, met Sean Penn. Um, he was a smoke. We, we were all smokers, but he was out smoking, and Sean Penn came down to smoke, and they had a you know two cigarettes together. Because um, Sean Penn was staying at the hotel we were at. Wow, that's pretty so cool. That is a really cool story. Um, and he was, you know, this obviously they were filming the movie, so it was well before it came out. And, you know, as soon as he mentioned, you know, to my friend Jason what he was filming, he got all excited. He's like, oh, that's a great story and everything. So that's got, very cool. I got really bad news for you, though. So just from that anecdote alone, mm-hmm. I know that you're kind of weird about having your last name out there. Uh-huh. Sean Penn is going to hear this trans transmission. You know, whenever we post it. And he's like, I know that guy. I remember that exact event. He knows a former co-worker of mine. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, he'll, he'll be able to ID you. I think you're in serious danger here. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, I mean, you basically just outed yourself uh, that's, to that's the world. That's what I was saying, yeah. <laughs> Not outed your sexuality. I mean, as far as I know, uh, that's <laughs> never been in doubt, but... Uh, but yeah, it's only a matter of time. You're basically like the whistleblower. Exactly. <laughs> pretty, pretty twist <laughs> that coworker was me. <laughs> that would definitely be a great twist for the podcast. <laughs> like, wow, 
Uh, three wives and four kids, you just never know. <laughs> I thought it was that I met Sean Penn. Oh, no, I just thought it was that you were the gay co-worker that met Sean Penn. <laughs> I mean, that was the first way you described him was a gay gentleman. <laughs> so, and I would describe you as a gentleman in most cases. So. <laughs> How many episodes of a podcast do you think you could do where the whole theme was like, meet the man who met Sean Penn? <laughs> Had two cigarettes now. (laughs) For this episode, we're going to go through the first half of cigarette number one. (laughs) Yeah, that would, uh, I don't know. Sean Penn. Episode one, got a light. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, it'd be like Moby Dick describing the boat. (laughs) Like out of 80 pages. (laughs) In-depth description of what that lighter looked like that he used. Um, So... Sorry, anyway, back on track. So David, <laughs> Blanche comes in, doesn't have David, couldn't locate him. Right, yeah, they called the cops and all the, uh, the rigmarole, trying to get a hold of, find, find out where he is, basically. Uh, and then, you know, while they're kind of discussing it, the doorbell rings, uh, they, they kind of shift their attention. Uh, Blanche runs to get the door, opens it, and it is David with a police officer, actually. Mm-hmm. Not Meshach Taylor. No. Nope. I guess Meshach has already moved on to bigger and better things. Mm-hmm. Although that police officer had, you know, a fair number of credits to his name as well. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I was kind of surprised. John Hollister was mm-hmm. the person who played him, and he had 65 episodes as a character named John on Murphy Brown. So mm. I, I, I watched Murphy Brown a little bit back then, mm-hmm. but I didn't, you know, honestly, yeah. outside of the two or three leads in it, yeah, you know, didn't recognize anybody. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, so yeah, he had a, a fairly, uh, you know, productive career as an actor yeah. aside from his role as the police officer yeah <laughs> so david insists that it's not his fault that you know he he went to the bathroom while he was on the plane and then you know all of a sudden you know he stayed there and they went to the bahamas right yeah an international flight and they didn't even check whether or not it, it obviously you know it was a lie but it's shocking to think of the difference in airport security now that somebody could stow away on an international flight um, and uh, and not be noticed at all until he was, I guess, what was just picked up in the airport. Um, yeah. And what, what would have even caused him to pick him up in the airport? I, I would assume maybe that... Probably when you disembark the plane, you have to show your passport. Yeah, maybe when you're trying to leave the airport itself, because I don't... Because you have to go through customs. Well, they said they found him in the duty-free shop. Is duty-free in between customs? It and can be. Okay. It can be. You do usually duty-free is kind of like a like a neutral zone, mm-hmm. uh, and before you enter into the country officially, maybe even. Okay. That's where there's like limited or no taxes. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I knew that how duty-free worked in general, but I would still, have, at least in my experience, I feel like it's in the terminal itself. Um, Anyway, so they found him in the duty-free shop, and then he, uh, you know, he goes on to say, you know, that uh, he just wanted to go to the Bahamas and get him. I think what do you say, perfume, maybe? Yeah, and which he didn't have any. He apparently he went uh, <laughs> looking for it, but didn't bother to pick any up. So, well, and then he even says something along the lines later about like, uh, if you believe that I went to, if oh, you so believe so the Bahamas story, yeah, then, yeah, yeah. you know, I'll believe that you were looking forward to meeting me. Right. Yeah. Which is kind of the next thing because they kind of do their intros and Blanche introduces them to uh, her friends and stuff. And they all, you know, say hello and, and tell them that they are happy to meet him and such. Yeah, that kid, though, he is a dick from moment one. He, he is. I, I would almost think he'd be Stanley's son because, <laughs> you know, the level of, yeah. uh, you know, of, of 
of an asshole that he is for almost from word one <laughs> that comes out of his mouth. <laughs> he um, he kind of is um, in a roundabout way. Uh, Billy Jane's brother uh, plays Michael, Dorothy and Stanley's son. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, so he's uh, oh, that's pretty interesting. That is because I I think this was that actor's only only episode on the series, correct? Yeah, Billy Jane's only yeah. episode on the Golden Girls. Yeah. So, yeah, which Billy Jane another he had an odd, I don't know it seems like an odd career. He was on Silver Spoons for mm-hmm. you know I think a side character for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, Parker Lewis uh, <laughs> can't lose yet. Yeah, well, he was on that I think for the entire series. Yeah. Um, but then it seems like he just faded mm-hmm. faded out pretty quickly after his yeah. his heyday there. Yeah, much like most of the cast of Parker Lewis can't lose hey, well. except for <laughs> Abraham <laughs> Ben Ruby. <laughs> They all lost. Yeah, apparently so. He, he couldn't lose <laughs> until he did. <laughs> and then he couldn't win. So. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I wonder, I'm sure he made a good chunk of change, though. I think Charlie Schlatter had a better run on Parker Lewis. Can't. Oh, no. Corin Nemec had a better run on Parker Lewis Can't Lose than Charlie Schlatter had on Ferris Bueller's Day Off, mm. the TV show. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I, I don't recognize any of the names that you're saying at this point. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> I mean, you have a far more encyclopedic knowledge of uh, entertainment than I do, okay. so I will just put, nod and smile politely. Defer yeah. to his wisdom, right? Yeah, if you want to call it that. Yeah. <laughs> You're impressed now? Wait till we get to our Hee Haw podcast. <laughs> That's the one right there. That's... I mean, I figured you were going to school me on the Mama's Family podcast, <laughs> but... We may have three people ever listen to this. The Hee Haw one is where it takes off. Yeah, the, the, this is the, the springboard. We'll just, we'll just <laughs> get through this. Yeah, the next just get through these other 175 episodes. <laughs> exactly. By then, I'll figure out how this mic works. Yeah, yeah apparently so. I'm going to make you listen to every damn episode, <laughs> even if it's against your will, just so that you can hear, uh, hear the way that that sounds. <laughs> so anyway... Blanche thanks the police officer and, you know, kind of even says, you know, uh, I'd love to repay you. You know, I'm usually at Wally's for happy hour on Tuesdays and uh, kind of tips his, he tips his hat to her and says, you know, be, keep an eye on this one, I think he says. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wasn't it odd hours that she's there for like, she's like 4.30 to 5.30 or something yeah, like that on something. Tuesdays? Uh, maybe that's her happy hour or something yeah. along those lines. I mean, that would kind of uh, be that time of day. Yeah, seems like at her age, that'd be dinner time. <laughs> right. Well, maybe it's post-dinner. Yeah. She's having an after-dinner exactly. drink. Exactly. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I, I thought it was, uh, I don't know, it goes to, to Blanche's uh, promiscuous nature that even with her grandchild <laughs> right, standing. Right in front of him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, and it wasn't very thinly veiled either. <laughs> so, it was not. But. Well, after the... Uh, you, I'm sorry, real quick. Do you think Wally's is where those astronauts hang out? I'm hoping so. It could be, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Wally's a pretty, you know, spacely sounding name. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if we've learned anything from Pixar. Wally, you're right. I didn't make the connection at the time. <laughs> anyway, uh, the cop leaves. <laughs> and uh, Rose mentions that she's been to the Bahamas. And you're talking about how, you know, David's kind of a prick. And he he kind of blurts out, was it on the Nina, the Pinta, or the Santa Maria? Yeah. I thought that was his best line of the episode. <laughs> um, it, but, yeah, it definitely sets the tone for yeah. the kind of dude he is yeah. pretty quickly. I think it's, yeah, it's probably the closest thing to a good line he had. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, and Rose goes on to say it was a plane, but I don't think it had a name. And Blanche kind of writes off, you know, the fact that he ditched, ditched her and says, you know, I'm glad that you're safe, so I'm going to overlook this. 
And then she says about, uh, I should have known better because his father's a Yankee. I think Sophia says you should have given him a smack on the face, and she talks about how she doesn't believe in hitting kids. She's kind of ahead of her time on that because, I mean, I would think, you know, back in the 80s, I mean, I lived in the 80s. Now, granted, I was not a child who got hit very uh, frequently at all. I was uh, pretty low on the spectrum when it comes to it comes to abuse, physical <laughs> abuse. Um, but, uh, but back in the 80s, it was certainly far more acceptable than it is today. Mm-hmm. And, and someone from that age group would have really been raising their kids in the, right. you know, 60s and 70s. So even, know, even, even more, more commonplace. Yeah. yeah. So she was a forward thinking lady with not, mm-hmm. you know, beating her kids. Well, and Sophie mm-hmm. even goes on to say that, uh, she likes the, the use of a, a melon baller. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she likes yeah. the weight of it. Mm-hmm. The melon baller is tiny, right? Like, yeah. The, I mean, unless you're really making some, some big ass melon balls, <laughs> <laughs> like four balls per melon. It seems like, like it would be mainly like your fist. Yeah. Like if you're holding a melon baller, <laughs> <laughs> your knuckles are going to hit before the metal on the melon baller. Uh, yeah. Yeah, maybe she has a long melon baller, so she maybe. can use a kind of like a Bob Barker style yeah. uh, microphone. Oh, yeah. I like that a little little head smack or something. Yeah, something along those lines. And you figure it's probably small enough; it would hurt if you got hit with it, but it probably wouldn't injure you. Yeah. So maybe that's uh, that's where the size comes in. But. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, Rose talks about how you know when she was younger, she uh, used to got punished or used to get punished by having to go milk Alice, the disabled cow. Right. I still don't get that joke, really. Yeah, I don't really understand it. I mean, I don't know why it would be more difficult to milk a cow that was sitting on a stool. Um, yeah. It seems like it'd be easier, if anything else. You'd exactly. be able to, they'd be pointed towards you a little mm-hmm. more. Well, uh, I kept thinking the whole time she's going to allude that uh, the, it's not a cow. Or it's a bull, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or like, something. <laughs> I was like, she's going somewhere <laughs> with this. <laughs> I think they actually were just setting up for later on. Uh, they talk about another injured animal. Yeah, one-eyed then, pig or something. Yeah, and then uh, she says something along the lines. Uh, or uh, Dorothy, I think it says, "What do you guys do? Raise a, a farm full of disabled animals?" <laughs> yeah. So maybe that was the setup. It was you know just phase <laughs> one mm-hmm. of their ultimate plan. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that led to a decent line of her telling her to to tell David that story as his punishment. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Yes. And so then uh, we kind of end that scene. Uh, then we see Sophia's in her bedroom. Uh, Dorothy's at the desk trying to uh, study while Sophia's kind of doing her evening regimen, getting ready for dinner or for bed. She's sharpening, or not sharpening, but like filing her nails. And she puts on some lotion all very loudly. Kind of, I don't think she's necessarily intended to be extra loud, but they are all loud by nature. And Dorothy's like, oh, can you just be quiet? Well, so. Sophia has a lot of steps to her nighttime mm-hmm. routine, but yeah. in all honesty, it looked like the whole routine took about two minutes. Yeah. So I feel like <laughs> that Dorothy could have uh, just mm-hmm. pro, pro, like laid off for a few seconds. Right. Yeah. Well, and at the time, you know, she's in there trying to study and, you know, complaining that, you know, Mog is continually keeping her up and, mm-hmm. or, you know, letting her not focus. And then Ma gets mad about, mm-hmm. you know, the sound of Dorothy's pencil on the paper. But at this point, as far as we know, Dave is not even home. Correct. So why is she sequestered to the bedroom <laughs> to do the study? And she could yeah. be in the kitchen, you That's know, true. having a lovely piece of cheesecake. Oh um, yeah. But mm-hmm. yeah, instead of uh, they, they go out of what about three minutes maybe <laughs> before <laughs> she throws in the towel. And yeah. Well, they do share a little tender moment reminiscing about when uh, Dorothy would sleep with Sophia when they were, when she was much younger mm-hmm. and she had to have the uh, dream about the bear yeah. That was eating her, <laughs> right? I think so yeah. that's pretty terrifying. A little mm-hmm. revenant dream there. 
I believe that was the inspiration of the movie. Actually. I'm sure so. Yeah. I'm sure that's what it all comes back to. And, I mean, Tom Hardy looks almost exactly like B. Arthur, so <laughs> it works well. And then is this where the Catwoman reference comes in? Uh, yeah, yeah, because uh, yeah, Ma says that she's going to have a cold in the morning, and Dorothy says, "You." What is this curse of the Catwoman? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which I mean, Brent and I both looked up that phrase the only thing we could come up with was a poem from 1924 Mm -hmm. that has absolutely nothing to do with looking at somebody it's about a a man who falls in love with a woman who turns into a panther and as they do yeah and and at first maybe he fights off the panther Mm -hmm. um, but then she realizes that she can never uh hug him or she Mm -hmm. may turn back into a panther and kill him Mm -hmm. and then at some point later in the poem he hears a panther behind him, and he kills her, and then mm-hmm. it turns out to be the woman he loves. I mean, absolutely nothing to do <laughs> with whatever they're talking about, and I couldn't find any reference that made any sense. I mean, yeah. maybe there's somebody out there who knows mm-hmm. what the hell she's talking about with that phrase, yeah. but um, but I definitely am not that person. One line I liked when they were kind of bickering about uh, the noise factor is right before Sophia lays down or right after she lays down. She said, if I make too much noise while I'm breathing, go ahead and put a pillow over my head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a, a good Sophia line. And so anyway, they, uh, as you mentioned, they kind of bicker back and forth. And then uh, Dorothy kind of gives up quickly. So she lays down and then they have their little reminiscent moment. Uh, but as they both kind of get comfy and start getting ready for sleep, all of a sudden loud noise booms from the uh, living room. And then everybody converges in there, and David's in there, mm-hmm. and he has uh, gone out to get pizza and brought a bunch of friends back, or new friends, mm-hmm. and uh, they're blasting music, and uh, Dorothy mentions that this is very inconvenient. It's 2 a.m., <laughs> or Blanche may have said that, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, anyway, that uh, they kind of need to break it up because everybody's trying to sleep. they got stuff to do in the morning. Yeah, yeah. They, they basically shoo everybody out other than, of course, uh, keeping David from going along with them. Yeah. Um, which, you know, David then, you know, of course, he's being, uh, being an asshole again towards <laughs> everybody because of that. And then, you know, he throws out like, I don't know, three or four insults uh, during that time period. And then finally, uh, Sophia smacks him, mm-hmm. which... It is the most gentle smack <laughs> that uh, someone could yeah, possibly give. I would give. definitely give it to that kid, like smash him hard. Oh, yeah. I mean, we definitely find out that David is a bitch um, <laughs> during that. Like, not only is he yeah. a jerk, but he's just a whiny little baby of a, <laughs> of a 14-year-old. Because, yeah. Um, yeah, he goes running outside after that. and uh, But that was that was where my favorite line of the, of the episode comes in. Because, you know, Blanche says something to the effect of, you know, is that all you Sicilians know how to do? Scream and hit and Sophia says no we also know how to make love and sing opera <laughs> that was that was my personal favorite yeah. line of the episode anyway uh, did I say that again? <laughs> he's always laughing <laughs> so anyway whatever you guys say uh, I don't uh, care back to the story <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I will edit the anyways out so <laughs> I like him he likes him yeah um yeah so do you think Sophia was wrong to to smack him no, not at all. <laughs> um, I, it was a, I mean, he, he took several shots, and yeah. um, you know, I mean, uh-huh. I think that it was completely warranted. Uh-huh. Now, and he's a fourteen-year-old boy, so yeah. it's not. It'd be a little different if he was like a six-year-old or seven-year-old, yeah. and you're not his grandparent or yeah. whatever. But you have some fourteen-year-old kid, you know, mm-hmm. talking shit to you. Yeah. Now, granted, you know, there's certainly a line, mm-hmm. you know, like you yeah. wouldn't want to injure the kid or 
I don't know, today's litigious society, who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, but no, I didn't think. Mm-hmm. Under the circumstances, it's in her house, you know, or at least mm-hmm. where she is a permanent resident. Yeah. And uh, no, I don't think she was out of line to him. Oh, okay. Do you? Yeah, we'll come back to it. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we're on that part right now, but. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, I get. So, like, when she hits him, okay. Why do you think that that gives Dorothy the impression that she loves him? Oh. Like, what What has David done to Sophia up to that point that she's like, oh, Ma loves that kid. Yeah, yeah there's <laughs> nothing endearing about yeah. David to this well, point. Well, they haven't even been really seen. around each other long enough to yeah. form any kind of bond in my opinion. Yeah, it's like their second interaction. <laughs> yeah, it's like every interaction that we've seen that they've had has been him insulting them, making old jokes about them. And then, uh-huh. you know, generally being an asshole towards yeah. Blanche. Very, yeah. di- very disrespectful in general. Yeah. 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 So I don't know. I, I do think that it's a, a bit of a stretch <laughs> <laughs> to yeah. interpret physical violence towards them as yeah. a sign of love. Uh-huh. Yeah. The, the interaction right before the, uh, um, before the smack even is, like, basically they kick everybody else out. Mm-hmm. And I think they uh, find that one kid was even going to steal something, right? Right. And then he gives it back because they said they're going to call the narcs in, in the community if... Uh, mm-hmm. They don't if they tried to take anything with them, and then he says, "You know, why don't?" He said, "Clean up this mess." He says, "Why don't you clean up yourself?" <laughs> How does Dorothy know all the narcs in the neighborhood? I don't know because I, I don't get the impression that she has lived in Miami that long. You know, mm-hmm. she, most of her marriage was spent in New Jersey, yeah. Um, and yeah, I think she moved down to Miami within the last couple of years. Now, granted, yeah. she's a substitute teacher, but yeah. I still don't know that she would know school that many narcs, narcs in the mm-hmm. greater Miami school narcs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Back well, then, this big Coke facility, you know. It <laughs> <laughs> so, could be then. I don't know. All, I that, all that Cuban stuff. I just don't know that a substitute teacher would have have located that many narcs to this point. <laughs> yeah. um, but. And he even goes on to say, uh, you know, what am I supposed to do for the next few weeks? Sit around and watch your arteries harden? Yeah. Yeah, that was one of his uh, multiple barbs that he threw out during that so. exchange. And he's like, kiss my attitude, and then that's when he gets slapped. So yeah. I think he definitely had it coming. Yeah, I mean, I think it was well-deserved. But <laughs> but I, I would agree with you, Brent. I don't think it was a sign of love. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and so they uh, meet outside on the lanai. Blanche kind of goes to uh, comfort him, I guess. Mm. Tell him, oh, you know, it's all right. But then for the first time, you kind of see him open up. He says, oh, why do you even care? Nobody cares about me. Um, and he kind of reveals that his parents have been more or less neglecting him for a while. He's been taking care of himself. To what end? I don't I don't know what that means exactly. Well, yeah, teenagers definitely have a skewed view of the world <laughs> um, because I'm sure that his parents were providing all of his food and shelter and clothing and yeah. those things. So yeah. taking care of himself. He may not have been getting the attention that he wanted, <laughs> but, um, but I would definitely say he was seeing it through a 14-year-old's eyes, not yeah. a, you know. Not a person with a fully formed brain. Uh-huh. So. And he kind of says, you know, just leave me alone and stuff. Uh, then you kind of, we transition to the kitchen then. Blanche is uh, reading a list of chores that they kind of talked about mm-hmm. having uh, David do while he was there to give him purpose. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I can't have him do all this stuff. This is too much. And uh, Dorothy points out and says it could give him a sense of purpose, some kind mm-hmm. of structure because, mm-hmm. you know, if his parents have been kind of neglecting him. They probably aren't giving him the kind of structure mm-hmm. he needs at that age, especially if he's mm-hmm. already a troubled youth that he seems to be. Yeah, I just don't know. I mean, because at this point, we're, you know, at least a half a weekend, right? Yeah. So, so yeah. he's got a week and a half yeah. remaining. 
is a week and a half for the structure going to make that much? <laughs> like, will he even form habits or structure within mm-hmm. a week and a half? I mean, I wouldn't think. Yeah, uh, I don't think 10 days is enough to yeah. form a habit. I think it takes like 21 days or something for a habit. Yeah, I mean. yeah, I think you're right. So, But, you know, we don't have the, the skills that, uh, you know, a, the Golden Girls do when it comes to shaping, you know, turning a wayward boy around. <laughs> Blanche couldn't even turn her wayward daughter around. <laughs> well, yeah, but she didn't have the support of, you know, of the other girls at the that time. That's true. That is true. So, so just a gestalt theory of <laughs> right. child rearing. Yeah. Uh, Dorothy even goes on to say, you know, you need to do what's the best for him, not what's easiest for you. Mm-hmm. So instead of, you know, you know, worrying about fighting with him or something, you know, mm-hmm. kind of put your foot down and say he's got to do this. I figure if anything else, it'd help him kill some time and keep him out of their hair mm-hmm. if he halfway does the job right. <laughs> yeah. If he does it terrible, I mean, they'd have to do it twice, but they'd have to do it anyway if he was gone. So mm-hmm. Right. At the very least, I guess it keeps him busy. Right. You know, devil's mm-hmm. hands and all that, as Rose mentions. Yes. And it gives Dorothy time to study. Yeah, that's true. Right? Yeah, she was being selfish is what it comes down to. She's like, mm-hmm. you better make him do those chores. I got studying to do. Yep, exactly. Some people, for their self-enrichment classes, even miss podcast recording sessions. Uh, that's preposterous. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's a, a pure insanity. You must not have very good friendship skills. No, no, definitely not. Or at least their value system is all screwed up. Definitely. What's the, what's the, the name of the class they're taking? That's uh, Math 200. It's statistics class. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. For Ski's job, yeah, you know, his wife tried to uh, persuade me about the benefits that this class is going to give, and I'm like, listen, I, I, I have a degree in accounting. I took that exact class. There is nothing he will learn in that class that is going to benefit him in his current job. Nor do I think he has future aspirations of any career that it would benefit him in. But, um, you know, but at least he's stressing out and uh, exactly. spending a lot of his. Uh, I mean, he only works 70 hours a week, so exactly. he's got a lot of free time floating around <laughs> to the boat towards uh, exactly. expanding his horizons. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Plus, he now he knows that statistically he's 12% likely to miss next week's recording session. <laughs> right. <laughs> I can do that, that calculation now. You're absolutely right. You just need to know That's how many you know times we meet. Right. How many times am I likely to miss? Yeah, thank goodness you take that class because you never would have been able to That's figure far out. That's too complicated. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you need chapters and chapters to find out what fractions are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Did you know from fractions you can get what's called a decimal? Really? And from that decimal, a percentage. Yeah, my son. So all those fancy stuff on the, the news, they hear percentages. Mm-hmm. That's what they get it from. Oh, so so I guess all those people must have taken statistic classes then. No, well, their their handlers do. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so. so someone someone down the line has done it. That's right. A, I, I wouldn't give necessarily credit to the, the anchors themselves or anything. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, they're the pretty faces that they're have just read, to. Reading pages. Yeah, out. exactly. They're regurgitating what the brain like, like what I'm doing it's, right now. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. You ask those anchors about it, they'd be giving you remainders and stuff. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's my favorite line of this podcast. So yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Brent. Brent gets one really smart joke in every podcast. I would say, <laughs> so, at least one. I guess I should say there. There are definitely some that he has multiple. Well, regarding the uh, the the chores issue, they kind of go on and they actually talk about. You know chores they did or didn't have to do as kids as well, and uh, 
um, Rose talks about how there was all kinds of stuff to do on the farm when she was growing up. And then uh, Dorothy even says, well, I was a city girl, and I had t- tons of stuff to do too. And uh, she's like, well, who did you – did you go to a military school? Mm-hmm. And then Sophia's like, no, she lived with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you think Phil was doing while Dorothy was doing all these chores? It didn't sound like there was a lot left over. Yeah, I wouldn't think so. And, and Phil also, the way that uh, Sophia makes it sound at one point in the episode, was kind of a yeah, at least a poor student. I don't know mm-hmm. if a, it would be fair to call him a dullard. But, um, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I think she says something about, you know, he looks at books as something to sit on as yeah, opposed yeah. to read. So I remember that line. So, yeah, it sounds like uh, not only was he poor academically, but also <laughs> it wasn't pulling his weight around uh, mm-hmm. the chores as well. I think it's more or less along the lines of what uh, a common theme at my work mm-hmm. <laughs> is uh, that the hard workers get the you know lion's share of the task because people know that they'll do it right. Right. And then the people who are kind of worthless more or less – Get all the easy chat uh, tasks or none at all. Well, I, I mentioned this to Ski just recently that you know there's the whole saying of a uh, shit rolls downhill, mm-hmm. but Ski at his job is like the shit dam. He doesn't let a single turd get past him. You know he he's taking every every turd that rolls his way. He's not gonna let one slide over. You know so exactly. Yeah, that's that's how that's his hard work. You know has really paid off. Exactly. <laughs> Heaven forbid that Aaron Turd hit Carl. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. uh, and uh, do, uh, Blanche actually says, though, with, regard to, with, with regards to the chores that she didn't ever have to do any, and she didn't make her daughter do any. It's like, oh, my gosh, that's why David is this way. It's my fault. And then later she recants and says, no, it's my mom's fault. <laughs> right. It's always good if you can pass the blame on. Generationally. Yes. I think that's the best way to go. Uh, then nighttime is coming, uh, and then uh, David is stealthily sneaking out. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Dorothy opens the uh, kitchen door and says, where are you going? And he's like, oh, nowhere. So how are you going to get there? I don't know, just take a train or something, I think he says, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, something, bus, something. Yeah, I think he's a bus. And then, what are you going to do when you get there? And he doesn't have any plan, of course. Yeah, I think he plans to get a job uh, mm-hmm. from 14 years old. I mean, even, in, place will hire you yeah, even in the mid-80s, at 14 would be pretty young to just go out and find a... Well, this whole thing is like, well, I'm going to go get a job because I don't want to do these chores. <laughs> right. <laughs> and you'd have to assume... <laughs> I mean, I guess he could have been sent there. Apparently, the parents must have a decent amount of money because, mm-hmm. you know, like you said, they take a spur-of-the-moment two-week Hawaiian mm-hmm. vacation. Um, mm-hmm. So, assumingly, he showed up with some money in hand, mm-hmm. which, you know, Blanche earlier in the episode mentions that she should have given him money. Mm-hmm. So, I just uh, I wonder where he's getting this uh, endless source of cash to, mm-hmm. yeah. you know. Well, he did go buy pizza. But yeah, I mean, he's yeah. been out gallivanting around quite a bit already, and now he's going to get a bus ticket yeah. to... You know, Shitsville, USA to get a job. <laughs> we know we didn't blow it at the duty-free store. <laughs> right, because there was no perfume in hand when he came up. Came we don't know that he didn't blow it because, you know, he could have bought all kinds of other stuff. That's true, but he didn't nothing show Nothing for the he, golden girls. Yeah, he had nothing to show for it, at least uh, outwardly when he arrived. Maybe he bought some crack. He also didn't have much of a much luggage for someone who's going to be staying two did, weeks. Did mm-hmm. he have anything? I think maybe a duffel bag. Maybe, uh, yeah. A backpack, something yeah, like that. Yeah, he didn't have a duffel bag. I'm sure that you're Yeah, right. so... Yeah, maybe do some laundry, I guess. Or right. maybe make uh, Granny Blanche do mm-hmm. some do <laughs> some laundry. Keep her busy because, you know, she's got to do the sheets every night anyway. Right. <laughs> 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 and then uh, he goes on the rant, talk about how he didn't want to do anything. And then Dorothy kind of says, buddy boy, life is full of crappy stuff to do. It's everywhere, so you better get used to it. 
And then they kind of sit down and have a heart to heart of sorts. Yeah. She also like it's like the first time she ever says like anything complimentary towards Reagan. Mm-hmm. She's like, even our dear president has to do stuff <laughs> he doesn't want to do. And every other time it's just been, you know, mocking that administration. Has she talked that much about the administration at this point? I think she made a joke about like um, Secretary of Defense at one point mm. and uh, something I think maybe Secretary there's something and there was the Nancy Reagan thing, but that was oh, Blanche. Yeah. But yeah, I definitely don't get the impression that they're Republicans. No, no, I'd say they're they're definitely liberal for the '80s. They mm-hmm. they may be uh, conservative to some extent by today's standards, mm-hmm. but they're the they're what liberal used to be, um, mm-hmm. where you're accepting of people, but you <laughs> don't necessarily watch everything you say. Yeah. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. I definitely say by '80 standards, they're certainly liberal. Mm-hmm. So. Anyway, so yeah, so she's having the heart-to-heart with David. So Dorothy reassures him, basically, that he is liked and loved by people. Yeah, that's when she talks about how beating somebody yeah, is yeah. Sophia's way of showing her love. That is right. That's where she talks about that. Uh, and he talks about he doesn't want to do certain tasks like vacuuming. That's girls' work. Right. And she says, well, we can re- renegotiate. And then she offers to make him some food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a pretty sweet deal she offered, too. She's like, I will do mm-hmm. the vacuuming. As long as you speak correctly, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> which I mean, he really was relatively well spoken. Yeah. I mean, he he may have used some slang or what mild slang, yeah, yeah especially but, by uh, today's standards. So. Yeah, yeah. But she was a substitute teacher, Alan. That's true. Well, the I mean, highest I think she, she level was, of education. <laughs> I believe she was a, a regular full time teacher in New Jersey, and mm-hmm. then became a substitute once she moved to Miami. In the retirement years, right? Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> when you get to Miami and you're already that age, no one's going to hire you full time because true, you, know, you may not even make it through the school year. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, and so uh, she goes to make him some food, and then we kind of, uh, you know, cut scene again. And then uh, the girls and David or Alan Lanai, I think it is, uh, you can tell they're having a little celebration. Mm-hmm. Uh, because uh, Dorothy got an A on her uh, French exam. Right. So I don't think we said it was a, it was a French exam earlier, or just talk about it as a test. No, I mean, they, they talk about it as French yeah. exam. or I mean, I don't know if they may have used the term test as opposed to exam, but, yeah, mm-hmm. I think that was what yeah. she always referred to. Yeah. And they said, you know, like it was two weeks out, which theoretically means David should be, if not gone on his way to the airport. Right, yeah. Which uh, that, we'll get into that here in just a second, too. Yeah. And so uh, Blanche says, so see, they can't teach a do- an old dog new tricks. Right. <laughs> I did like that, uh, you know, then Sophia pipes up about uh, Blanche knows a thing or two about tricks she or did, something, yeah, which I, I kind of like that Sophia kind of mm-hmm. came to her daughter's defense yeah. uh, to a certain extent. So she's de- I think she's by far the most quick-witted of all of them. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. She's definitely got a zinger for every occasion. Yeah, well, strokes will do that to you. <laughs> I'm exhibit B. Right. It's like a sharpening stone, Alan. Yeah. <laughs> I think if science has proven anything, strokes are just. <laughs> yeah. The path to a sharper mind. That's true. <laughs> and so, um, now I'm all self conscious about saying, and so, or. <laughs> right. uh, Dorothy uh, toasts to David on his uh, personal growth in the two weeks that he's been there. All right. <laughs> And uh, they're here, here, and uh, he said, I got to do some chores, I got hit, and I learned about all kinds of handicapped animals. Right. Yeah, it was nice that he summed up the whole episode, mm-hmm. you know, right in his one little uh, his one little monologue there. Yeah, exactly. He didn't mention how he was an a-hole to everybody, though. Well, sure, but, uh, but I think I guess that, that was him an getting hit to it, though, yeah. would be, mm-hmm. you know, indicating that, you know, 
that that's what helped turn it around. That's right. One smack to the face and a light, uh, light smack. A couple heart to hearts. That's all it takes to turn a trouble teen around. <laughs> so. If only we'd take more time as a society. Yeah, no, I think I'm gonna start going around to you know like the boys and girls clubs and things like that. Just look for wayward. Kids. Yep. <laughs> and then I'll sit down on heart to heart, and then and then all of a sudden they'll be. <laughs> you know, right on the right path. So I think I'm just going to start carrying around a melon baller. <laughs> yeah. That's even better. I like that. In case somebody misses a recording. Well, you session. know what they say, uh, spare the melon ballers, spoil the podcaster. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah. They kind of have a little um, congratulatory to each other. And uh, David says, you know, I like it so much here. I'd like to stay full time, which uh, they kind of all are obviously taken aback by this. And he talks about how, you know, he didn't, uh, you know, life at home is kind of hard with his parents and how he'd like to stay with them. Then uh, Sophia actually has him go get some ice cream with her. And uh, the girls say, call his mother. Right. <laughs> kind of hurriedly. Yeah, none of them are receptive to I mean, those mm-hmm. three at least are not at all receptive to it at first uh, first mm-hmm. glance. Um because, yeah, Sophia's ushering him out just so that they can then convince Blanche <laughs> to, <laughs> you know, to yeah, shut that down. Yeah, it was Sophia down. who said, call his mother. All right. I think he was even going to get the ice cream on his own at first, but Sophia says, come with me. I'll show you where the good stuff is. Mm-hmm. Well, and then Rose makes a comment, which was this maybe post. Blanche calls the daughter, mm-hmm. insists that, you know, she is going to take her, and then apparently the daughter shuts that down, which, mm-hmm. of course, she would. I mean, they would have to be some really negligent parents just be like, <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, no problem. Um, we didn't want them anyway. Right. But then Rose makes a comment about how it's not fair uh, to that their grandmothers. And, <laughs> you know, it's not fair they'd have to go through raising a child again. Which, I don't know, if it's 14, do you consider yeah. that raising a child again? Yeah. It's, it's yeah. I mean, at least it's, four more years, Alan. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know if it's even raising at 14. I mean, yeah. you're guiding, perhaps, <laughs> but. Mm-hmm. And obviously, they've already turned around to where he's practically a choir boy at this point. That's right. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. He. he He's already doing all the chores. Really, he's a new Coco. I know. Yeah, he totally could have. <laughs> and they were probably grooming him <laughs> to be the new Coco. So anyway, so she calls. She says, should I call? And they say, yeah, yeah, call. And so she calls, like you said, and uh, says that she would like to keep uh, David full time. And the mom kind of argues and shuts her down and says, well, no, I suppose I couldn't stop you if you wanted to come get him. And she has a back and forth and they kind of hang up on somewhat sullied terms, I think. Yeah. But uh, the girls congratulate Blanche on doing such a great job on the phone, which mm-hmm. I don't know that I consider it a great job, but I think she was firm-handed with her daughter, who she says is kind of lackadaisical as a parent anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I was wondering, um, perhaps her daughter was, uh, I don't know, into uh, some sordid industries, uh, because she said she's going to, uh, see, the, the exact wording is, I will kick your uppity butt till hell won't have it again. Which makes me think that hell had it at one point <laughs> and that it'll be so you know harshly abused mm-hmm. when she's done that hell will not take it back. Um, <laughs> so I'm not sure what kind of hell the daughter's Janet, I think is her name. Yeah, I'm not yeah. sure what kind of hell her butt has been through <laughs> up to this point. But um, unless she's saying that the daughter was spawned from hell as opposed to, uh, <laughs> you know, come from theory. above. So. It could uh, shed all kinds of weird light on uh, later episodes, I'm sure. Maybe we'll have to remember that. And well, maybe that's how they could afford this um, two-week getaway to Hawaii, like they're shacking <laughs> up with Stanley. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so David's not going to stay with him. And uh, uh, we kind of 
fast forward to uh, David is leaving. Uh, he's going to go meet his parents in Hawaii while they're still there. Because they're like, we need another two weeks here. Right. right. Yeah, oh, all, yeah, we're not even going home yet. David can come meet us here, you know, for, for, the, for us to wrap up this vacation. Exactly. Well, because, you know, flights to Hawaii are so cheap now well, yeah, from uh, Florida. Yeah, not only that, but assembly somebody has to work. I mean, these aren't people who are older to where they would be retiring than retirees themselves. Yeah. They would assume be right in their prime working years, um, mm-hmm. regardless of if they both worked or just, you know, the mm-hmm. if it was a more, you know, traditional or old-fashioned type of a situation where just the husband worked. But, yeah, I mean, it's basically like, yeah, I've taken two weeks off. Now I'm mm-hmm. going to go ahead and add an extra week or two yeah. on to that. Um, <laughs> so. Maybe they're self-employed. It could very, be. very, very well off. Yeah, you know? I guess. So, well, you know, those Yankees. That's they, true. Mm-hmm. That's They really know how to pull down a living. Northerners. Yep. Mm-hmm. But anyway, they uh, they give some heartfelt goodbyes and uh, tell David that you know if things ever get really bad again, he can always come stay with them whenever. And uh, Blanche gives him a you know kind of a double hug, which you know I guess they really bonded over those two weeks. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they kind of have some back and forth goodbyes again, and he walks out, and uh, that's more or less the end of it. Yeah, that, that that goodbye from Sophia was odd. She gives him like a oh, yeah. a weird knuckle pinch on his cheek as a. Uh, <laughs> I think he calls her slugger, which I thought, okay, well, that's you know appropriate given their their history. Well, he did; she did abuse him. Yeah, so but um, <laughs> but yeah, her, her little goodbye was—I don't think I've ever seen. I don't think I've ever seen a cheek pinching done with the knuckles <laughs> personally before. But so yeah, so that wrapped it up, and then what we had there was—I feel like one more line in there. It's all about it's going to be awfully quiet without him around anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So overall, uh, solid episode, I suppose. Um, but. Uh, I've already said my favorite particular line of the episode, and I think I think we all have already discussed it. You know, mine was about the Sicilians, you know, mm-hmm. being lovers and uh, <laughs> opera singers, and mm-hmm. you two I think both preferred the was it was the, the cheek pinching? Oh no, dimples, dimples, yeah, dimples, dimples, yeah, yeah. yeah. butt cheek dimples. Now this one, I would say this episode to me did not have a super clear MVP. Um, if I, well, I mean, I guess since I'm going to give one to somebody, I would. I guess I'd give it to Dorothy. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't care for Rose was barely part of it. She didn't talk uh, much. It was all about stories and such. Yeah, Sophia yeah. was good, but I think the the you know the heart to heart with Dorothy and David mm-hmm. puts her over the top for me. And David was such a douche in the episode. Right. Yeah, other than the last you know five minutes, yeah. I definitely can't give him the give him the nod. Yeah. So. so I'd go with Sophia. I mean, she had our best favorite line and your favorite line. Yeah, yeah that's true. That's true. Um, well, I already, and I she already did voted her own for stunts. So. <laughs> well, you know, she she was the youngest, wasn't she? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and and who would you give the MVP Definitely to? Definitely Sophia. She did the smacking. He he had it coming. So. Well, that's true. That smack is what set him, you know, mm-hmm. on the, on path the right path. Yeah. Well, I may be wrong on this one, but <laughs> I already threw my vote down, so I'll, I'll stick with what I said. But but you two make compelling arguments. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, how many uh, slices of cheesecake would you give this episode out of eight, Ski? I'm going to go two. I, I wasn't really in love with this one. Yeah. I would give it just the crust off of one slice. <laughs> just the crust. <laughs> so, 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 so it's like a, a third. A third. A third an eighth, a, maybe, I an guess. eighth of a slice. Just the that crust. One, that's a rough one. <laughs> I did not like it at all. I, I wouldn't. I, I, I can go that low on it. I mean, I. Since Ski is generally the one who's a little more uh, rose-tinted, you mm-hmm. know, view of things than the rest <laughs> of us, I can't, I guess, go as high as a two. So I'll go a 1.5 um, slices mm-hmm. of cheesecake. So, yeah, it's 
definitely not going to be in contention mm-hmm. for uh, for Sophia's choice when it all yeah. comes down to it. So. Um, uh, yeah, I just did not like it at all. Um, so like I, you know, watched it twice. You know, last week. And then, you know, we got rescheduled this week. And I was like, son of a bitch, I'm going to have to watch it again. (laughs) (laughs) And I did, you know, took one for the team. But then I thought, like, we're going to have to cancel today. And I was like, "Uh uh-uh, not again. (laughs) I am not going through that. (laughs) So you're saying you had to watch it twice? Did someone someone prolong the Well, no, I had to watch it a third time today. Um, Yeah, thrice, not just twice. Um, yeah. So. I but it's from someone trying to enrich themselves. Yeah, I would say so. Well, yeah. at least at least your <laughs> test scores are definitely reflecting your hard work and effort. So. For, first mm-hmm. test score is a little better. Nice. Wait, first. So my first, first test score, I got a 97. My second, he's referring to, <laughs> I got a 34. Yeah. <laughs> so he missed a podcast so he could get a 34. Well, no, I guess that was prior that to was, missing, yeah, that, missing the I recording. I missed last week because <laughs> I got a 34. <laughs> I've never heard anybody refer to like the first as being like like retroactively like well at least my first score was a little better like it, it's like <laughs> a little better than subsequent scores like it's just like a nice way of saying it's been downhill since the first one <laughs> well i mean that's a mighty leap downhill too from a 97 to a 34 i mean that's basically bad. a cliff it was, it was one of those things where we're not allowed to have our phones and there's no clocks in the room mm-hmm. and uh i'm pretty good at math but i'm not fast uh-huh. And so uh, I told Alan, late, or like a few weeks ago, I think, after all this happened, um, I wish I'd have skipped and done the second half of the, the test only. Mm-hmm. I probably would have done much, much better mm-hmm. because uh, the first half of the test, I was like rusty on some of the material. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I was trying to figure out the, uh, they're all word problems, of course. So I'm trying yeah. to figure out exactly what they mean, what they're yeah. asking. And then uh, I'm not even halfway done with it when the, when the teacher says, all right, 15 minutes left. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, I go in full panic mode. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, what? Is, is the reason you didn't skip ahead is because you haven't got to the chapter on uh, halves yet? Halves? No. You're going to have to explain that to me. What, like halves and halves nots? <laughs> yeah, stay golden, Coco. <laughs> hey, thanks so much for downloading today. If you enjoyed that opening, you should definitely check out Ashley Jade on YouTube. She has a bunch of awesome compositions on there. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at Sophia's Choice Podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach us on Twitter at Sophia's Choice PC. We plan to have a new episode out every Monday. If you have a moment, give us a rating on iTunes or wherever else fine podcasts are downloaded. And of course, stay golden. <laughs>